45 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them up the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Ball. Hey, you like stand-up comedians? I do. We're going to have one on the show today. He's not famous yet. <laughs> yet being the key word. But he's going to be on to talk about a famous comedian. Sure is. One of my favorites. I guarantee you he's one of your favorites as well. That and much more on today's show. Hey, I'm Matt. I'm in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local hometown heroes. Your local Farm Bureau agent. And look them up at favorites.com. Roger, do you know where the uh, the website and that 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 kind of tagline, favorites. You know where that originated for Farm Bureau. You know where that came from. It wasn't like Farm Rates, was it? Yes, yes. Did you already know that, or did you just guess? I I, th- I, I was kind of, you know, there when it happened. Yeah. Not not there uh, with them, but you know, observing as they rolled the campaign. Right. Yeah. Right. Because Brett Favre. I think both. Either way, you can get to their site. That's right. And Brett Favre for. Um, a long time was kind of their spokesman here, and this is recent. I'm talking about, and they had a bunch of great, really funny like ads and stuff with Brett Favre really on it, and yeah, and so there was it was a neat little thing. Favorites, but you take the R out, right? So it's not Favorites, it's Favorites, even though the R comes after the V. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a guy coming on later today here on the show, my friend from Hattiesburg who started something down there called Hub City Comedy. He's a stand-up comedian himself, but even more so, he's just a great guy, and he's a big-time Southern Miss fan. He's got Frank Caliendo coming to Hattiesburg this week, and that's what I always think about when I think of Frank Caliendo. I think of him doing his John Madden impression. Man will say something like, Hey, that guy right there, that guy's got mud out of his jersey. <laughs> and, and, uh... Now there's less mud on the field. You always think of him doing his Madden, but he always it was always him doing John Madden talking about Brett Favre. If you could only have one guy, just one guy, that you put in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I don't know why that would be. Maybe because there's a small Hall of Fame and there's a fire inspector that says you can only have one guy that can go in that Hall of Fame. That guy, I mean, that guy's going to be Brett Favre. He could do things on the field that nobody else could do. I I mean, he could do things most people couldn't even imagine doing. But as amazing as Brett Favre the player was, 
Let me tell you about Brett Favre, the man. <laughs> See, and that's not John Madden. That is Frank Caliendo oh, yeah. impersonating John Madden. But I'm telling you, Roger, you almost can't tell the difference. It's just great. He, he he's great. The, he's talking about a game one time, and he says, you know, it is John Madden voice. It's going to be an offensive thing and a defensive thing, and then somebody's going to win. And, uh, <laughs> and you, you just got to realize uh, apparently John, John Madden had a lot of Captain Obvious in him. Yeah, he did, no doubt. Have you ever heard Caliendo's impression of Al Pacino? It probably sounds a little bit like his Madden. Actors. Actors are always fun to watch. Like Al Pacino. I, he could take a little kid saying and turn it into a tough guy phrase. Somebody come and say the mob's going to kick your butt and be like, You, sir, are a liar. <laughs> liar, liar, your pants are on fire! <laughs> Is that not great? Is that not great? <clears throat> oh, Frank Caliendo, man. He's great. Anyway, yeah. So... Caliendo is coming to an event in Hattiesburg, I think, I think it is this Friday, actually. But I'm going to get you the details later when Jamie comes on. Here in a minute, maybe now, maybe in a minute, Roger, you just let me know, there's uh, a guy I want you all to hear from. Oh, and that's right, backtracking here, on the text line, Ernest T., you are exactly right. His impression of John Gruden is fantastic. I used to have this thing where Frank Caliendo was doing an impression of John Gruden, and it was Gruden breaking down the sport of Quidditch from Harry Potter. (laughs) Fantastic. I'm going to see if I can find it. No, but I want you all to hear from Pat Dooley. Pat Dooley, longtime uh, sports writer in the state of Florida, you can find him now at Gatorsports.com and uh, online and on Twitter at Pat underscore Dooley. And I ran into Pat at SEC Media Days, and I and then I stepped back and watched him rub shoulders with all the higher-ups in the SEC. What's up, Pat? Uh, not much. Just actually pulling up to the uh, 13th hole. There you go. But I, 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 will, I certainly will take a break for you. Not too many people, but I will for you. Well, now you're making me, like, I kind of feel bad. Like, we ought to call you back or something. No, <laughs> no because, of course, I'm playing as Dean Lincoln, so it's not going to matter. There you go. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was sort of saying that in jest, but not really. Like, I watched you, I watched you kind of kick it with Greg Sankey a little while there at uh, SEC Media Days. And, of course, Steve Spurrier was in town, I know, for a day or two. I don't know what he was there for. Did you get to see Coach Spurrier? I did. He, uh... He was there to, for that movie that they're getting ready to put. I think it starts September 3rd on the SEC Network. Okay. It's kind of a history of the SEC, and so they came and did a promotion. and They actually showed, they, they had a outing at a theater. I didn't go because I, I know, they filmed me for an hour and a half for that, so I knew I was going to be on it a little bit, and the last thing I wanted to do was watch myself on a movie theater. <laughs> and, have and I was afraid I might have said something, you know, made, told a funny story story that he wouldn't like, so. Yeah. You know, but I think I think it was okay. I th- you covered Florida all those years, um, Pat. How, were you covering Florida the entire time that Spurrier was the head coach? Yeah, then actually was the sports editor at the, the paper for four years, and then covered him uh, after that. But uh, I mean, I was at his very first press conference in Florida, so 
got to know the guy real well and uh, really uh, consider him a, a true friend. He's helped me out with some health situations, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, always been very, and his wife is maybe the genuinely the nicest person in the, on the planet. So, yeah, I like Steve a lot, and, um, you know, he's, uh, he's a great guy. I mean, he just, he, he likes to take his digs, but yeah. he's hilarious, but he's a great guy. Yeah. It's interesting. I, you know, I wonder, I, I don't know, I guess, I mean, I was kind of young um, when he first got started at Florida, when I sort of was coming up and became a football fan. He was running the show, and of course he had Shane Matthews as his quarterback there in the, the early 90s, but you know, from your perspective, I wonder if the the overall perception of Steve Spurrier out here for those of us that's never hung around with him, if it is anything close to what he's really like. You know what I'm saying? Is that a fair question? I wonder how close those are. Well, no, yeah, but I think it's dead on. I mean, I think he what you see is what you get. He's he's uh, he does not believe in uh, lying, and he gets very upset when people lie to him or tell. More importantly, when they write things that are false, they mm. try to write that Steve Spurrier is a lousy coach. That's your opinion. But if you write that he didn't win more, a majority of his games at Duke, now now you got a mat because he did, you know. So, um, but he's uh, and he's like I was telling somebody back in those days, you would walk into that Tuesday press conference and you didn't even have any idea what you're going to write. You just waited for him to say because he was going to tell you something hilarious and give you a theme i mean he was he was great at that so um now he's he really is what he is now it's not for everybody you know not everybody likes it and certainly if you're a tennessee fan you probably don't like him um but he was um i remember the very first press conference after their first game they played oklahoma state oklahoma state was on probation one of those pat jones teams and they killed him 40 to 7 and afterwards, Spurrier says, "That ah, we knew we'd beat them pretty bad. They weren't very good." And I'm like, "Oh, we got a different thing going on here now." <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they played a hard game, and it was uh, obviously we just had to, got a couple of breaks. You know, now nah, he was like, "Shoot, they're not very good. We knew we'd beat them pretty easily." Hmm. How about that, Pat Dooley on your radio right now? Pat underscore Dooley on Twitter. Y'all give him a follow uh, if you don't already. Yeah, you know, and I, I know we're kind of tripping down the memory lane here on this thing, but all those years, too, of um, quarterback battles, you know, and playing one, and I guess if I go back to, like, Terry Dean and then Werfel, and then who, who was right after Werfel? I'm drawing a blank. But there was a kid that he kind of – Doug Johnson. That's yeah, it, Dougie. Doug Johnson. Yeah, that's the one that, that seemed to, that seemed to really kick it into high gear with the switcheroo, like – Put him in, take him out. Was Doug Johnson? Yeah, and and then uh, you know they Noah Brindis is who he switched out with. And Noah was, we'll tell you, the, he wasn't a very talented guy, but he, he knew where to put the ball. But um, Steve and Doug did not get along. I mean, he had been he had been dealing with Danny Werfel, um, Danny Wonderful, you know, son of a preacher man, just like him, and and guy would listen to everything and every cuss word Steve Spurrier said and turn around and just go do what he was supposed to do. And then Doug was a little bit feistier. And, you know, so um, they, there was a little bit of an issue there. But Doug found his way back into the good graces, graces of uh, Coach Spurrier. And then, um, you know, and then it became Brock Berlin and Rex Grossman after mm-hmm. that. So, uh, you know, and, and Rex Grossman was clearly better than Brock Berlin. Uh, in fact, I think Rex 
the 2001 Heisman um, race was the dumbest of all time. Uh, literally, uh, unbelievable. He gave it to a guy who completed like nine passes all year. So, um, but anyway, I mean, you know, so uh, it was just a lot of fun to cover those teams. Yeah. To go through that. And then you go through the Zookies and Portland Zook. You know, you go 8 5 at Florida after Spurrier. You go 8 and 5 before Spurrier. Hey, nice year. You go 8 and 5 after Spurrier. Get him out. Get the next guy in. And then the Urban Meyer era, which was full of all kinds of weird stuff, but two national yeah. championships. So it was a good run. But un- unfortunately, it, it really has spoiled this fan base. You know, they uh, expect to be in the race all the time. You know, to to be beating Georgia like a drum as Spurrier and, and Urban did, um, and so what's happened in reverse with now they've got their kind of version of, of a, a, a great coach and Kirby Smart. They they're not real happy with that. They're hoping Dan Mullen can change that, but in the recruiting trail, he hasn't at all. It's it's still been Kirby dominating. Mm-hmm. That and it's hard to see that changing anytime soon with Georgia. You know, and it's it's interesting. Yeah. You mentioned the the Urban Meyer thing. I had Tim Brando on the show yesterday, and he he mentioned, you know, he said, I'm out here in California. We're going through some production stuff with Fox and some meetings. And he said, I was here working with and talking with Urban Meyer, who's part of our team now. And and then it just struck me when he said that yesterday. I hadn't even thought about it. It just struck me. Yeah, now I remember Urban Meyer's not coaching anymore uh, again for this for the second time. You think you think with Urban oh, this time it's third. it? <laughs> It's actually the third because he quit twice at Florida. Oh, really? Um, I left I one tell, out. I would tell, I would tell Timmy, don't get too used to it hmm. because I, I think, I think Irvin will be back coaching again. I think it'll be, it'll take the right situation, which could be USC after this year. Could be Notre Dame if Brian Kelly ever leaves because that's, you know, he's got a real affection for Notre Dame when he coached. Yeah, uh, but I don't think it would be like you know he he ain't going somewhere and rebuild a program. Um, he's going to go somewhere where they've got everything in place and then he's just got to teach them how to win. But I wouldn't be surprised at all. Most, the most cynical people have no doubt. I have some doubt, but I, I have, I think he will coach again. And, um, I know he's told, he's already said to a former assistant, you got one more writing. So, I mean, Timmy yeah. yeah, uh, B, you have, enjoy the year, but just know he may not be back for next year. Yeah. Boy, and the USC thing would be um, certainly would be intriguing for sure. No yeah. question about it. Well, um, and, and you know everything's in place there to win. Uh, you just got to have a guy who who can get you to win. And Urban has a knack. He's got a skill that's not even like I don't think it's even definable what mm-hmm. Urban does so well. Now, recruiting is number one. He does that very well. Um, you know, but he also finds a way to get guys to play at a high level, even guys who aren't, you know, high recruits. Um, you know, he's he's got a knack for it. And, it, it, you know, and, and I look at Florida, it was a different way. I don't think he did it at Ohio State the same way. I think at Florida it was a lot of coddling and a lot of taking superstars and letting them get away with stuff. Um, you know, but mm. at, I think at Ohio State he had kind of learned his lesson. So he, was, he did a lot less than that. But, again, I wasn't around that program. I just know I, you didn't see as much negativity. The only negativity that ever came out of there was the Ryan Smith stuff, which has nothing to do with the players. Right. That's that's right. You know, and it's interesting you said, okay, that phrase that Urban Meyer has a knack for just winning it. I think what I said a few times when Mullen 
was at state, and he had elevated everything about the program, frankly. And I think I said, you know, he coached under Urban Meyer, and they just figured something out. I don't know what it is. I, you can't point to one specific thing, but there's no question. Urban Meyer, and then he, and then I think Dan Mullen learned some of that. They just there's something they figured out because they have won everywhere they've been. I mean, and then Mullen pops up at Florida last year and wins ten games in year one. You know, you know, Matt, and, and you as being a player, you know, um, different coaches practice differently, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing they figured out is how to practice and how to make it efficient and how to make it so that your guys show up ready to practice and ready to give the effort in practice. Because Urban's the first guy uh, that I dealt with that would talk about, you know, how important Tuesday was. You, you can't win the game if you don't have a good Tuesday practice. And we have to have all this stuff on Wednesday. It's got to get done. Very organized and very – they knew how to get the most out of their practice time. And uh, I've, I've seen coaches who don't. And the, the guy who was here before uh, Dan Mullen did certainly did. You know, where guys would run a play and run in the wrong way and he'd go to the next play. You know, that's not the way you should be coaching. So I think if I was going to point to one thing, I mean, obviously recruiting is number one, but getting your guys to understand how important practice is and getting, and getting the most out of their practice time I think is a huge factor. Sure. You know, and Pat, I would ask you too with this Florida team this year, you know, from a distance all the way here in Mississippi, there were those plumes of smoke of, you know, this player transferring and this guy had, you know, the, the backup QB and the, the on-campus sexual assault thing to kick him out of school and other players are transferring and all that seemed like negative from a distance. Is there any legit worry or still a remaining feeling of negativity at this point in the summer? Or is all that gone and, and you still feel like this is going to be a good football team in year two for Dan? Well, there was negativity here, too, and they turned on him very quickly. The Chris Steele thing made a lot of fans turn on him, but I think it's kind of all dissipated. I mean, they lost a lot of guys who would have been playing special teams. They didn't lose any starters, though. Um, but there were a lot of guys who were highly recruited players, and when you come to Florida, you're going to be a highly recruited player, and we're not going to play. They knew it and said, I'm getting the heck out of here. You know, I'm going to go play somewhere where I can play, and it may be – you know, at a division, you know, an FCS school, but I'm going to go do it. So um, there was certainly some negativity. I think it's going to affect them a little bit. I think special teams especially could be a factor. Uh, if they have injuries backup, the depth isn't great. Their, their depth, for example, on the offensive line is very young. It's mostly freshmen and, and redshirt freshmen. In fact, it's almost all freshmen and redshirt freshmen. If they stay healthy, um, I, this team is can be really good because – the quarterback's better, as we know, from what he was a year ago. The skill positions, they, they may have the best set of receivers they've had since Riddell and Ike mm-hmm. and those guys. They're really good at receiver. Their running backs are really good. They've got unbelievable tight ends. Uh, I like their defense a lot. So they're, um, they're kind of, and, I, and, and here's the other thing, and, and you know this, Matt. I mean, I like Dan Mullen as a coach. I think he knows what he's doing, and I think he, I like him as a play caller. So yep. this still looks like a team that's going to win. 10 games again, but if the wrong injuries happen in the wrong spots, it could easily be a 7-5 and five team. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because of the schedule, you know, I know Miami hasn't been great, but Miami's still uh, a team that can beat you. You know, uh, certainly you have to go to Missouri and Kentucky who beat you last year, 
at home. You have to play Georgia. You have to go to LSU. You know, um, it, it's not an easy schedule by any means. So, um, you know, but I people act like I'm being wishy-washy because I wrote up this. I said I can see this team going seven five. I can see it go eleven and one, and and uh, a lot's going to depend on the injuries and how healthy they stay. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it is when you live in the land of little depth. And some teams have to do that yeah. often, you know. That's just the way it is. Pat, man, I appreciate it so much. Uh, you know, tee it high, put it out there on your front sure. foot, and me, let, let her rip, man. <laughs> I will, right down the fairway and into the tree. Attaboy, attaboy. All right, we'll see, see you, man. Good talking to you, buddy. You too, Pat. Thank you so much. That's Pat Dooley with Gatorsports.com. Pat underscore Dooley. He is one of the veterans in sports writing remaining in the SEC. Um, He's kind of a guy that you go to any of the, especially like the original schools who were around when the conference expanded in 92 and took in South Carolina and Arkansas. Anybody that has been covering this league, working with teams, uh, you know, in athletics departments, any of them, all of them know Pat Dooley. Because that's right. Anything Spurrier ever said, it was in the paper the next day in the Gainesville Sun with Pat's name at the top of it. And he's just a great guy. He really is. Glad he's playing golf again. He had some knee surgeries that he went through. and Glad he's up swinging that golf club. It's more than I can say. Good old Steve Spurrier. Gators versus the Hurricanes in 25 days. Stick around. You can just feel the intensity in the air. King Kong. You remember that movie? The original? Oh, yeah. Remember the premiere? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one with uh, Faye Ray. Faye Ray? Yeah. Climbing the Empire State Building. And there goes King Kong after. <laughs> and he sw- it, did, did, did he have her in his hand or something? Yeah, he was holding the woman in his hand, and King Kong was swatting at airplanes like they were horse flies. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why I asked you that. I just saw something on Twitter. Well, the movie coming out? No, no, it's really even more um, It's more interactive than that, I'm about to tell you. I'm Matt, I'm in the Farm Bureau studio. Uh, Roger and I appreciate you listening. Thanks for grabbing a chair and pulling up a seat at the table. Join the conversation. There's a couple ways to do that. You can text the, the show. Text me, 885-ESPN. For Pete's sake, though, don't text if you're driving. Most places, it's against the law. Unless you let Siri do it for you, you just tell her what to send us. Yeah. But don't text while driving. <laughs> Dexter McCluster would be really disappointed in you if you did. Is that technically illegal if you're if you got voice assist and you just say voice Siri. assist? I wouldn't think so. No. Yeah. I think it would be distracted driving. You'd have to be looking at the phone, wouldn't you? Yeah. Heck, man, I don't know. We need to know this. Anyway, hey, uh, text us if you know the details on. The texting laws. 
Yeah. I, I don't think anybody is, I don't think they're being enforced, really. <laughs> uh, not from yeah, what I'm seeing. No, you're exactly right. Roger, last year, about this time, we were coming home from the beach. The day we left the beach, we pulled out of the driveway at the condo. We headed north. We weren't up the road 10 miles in this big four-lane intersection with red lights. And there had been a car riding along beside us who I could tell had a young person in it who was fiddling around with a phone. I even backed off the gas and let him just go on because I thought it was dangerous. And you know what happened? Yeah. We yeah. rolled right up to that intersection. And, and, they kept on going. and they rolled right into the intersection. And a woman coming, like she was supposed to with a green light, just T-boned that car right in front of us. Bam! Bam. Yep. All because of looking down at a cell phone while you're driving. That was. Did ever, do you know if everybody was okay? Yes, everybody was okay. Okay, well then, good. <laughs> uh, right. Everybody was okay, but man, it it was one of those that it. I looked think maybe bad. she'll take her lesson there. Yeah, and you know you or what he, you really uh, felt bad for was uh, the poor woman who she just headed to work that day. I'm sure. Yeah. And somebody pulled right out in front of her in an intersection. She was doing what she was supposed to do, and now she had a total car. And bless her heart. She was in tears, and people were consoling her. That was the thing, though, that was neat about I say neat, is total strangers at in every direction of this intersection jumped out of their cars and took off straight into the melee. And, you know, there's metal and glass everywhere and two cars mashed up, and total strangers, a bunch of people, jump right out of their car and head right on into it start helping people. And that was really neat to see. We were a few cars back. And of course, I had two dogs, my daughter and my wife in the car. We pulled over to the side, kind of looking for a spot in the gravel. And before we could, within seconds, before we could even get parked, there were already multiple people that jumped out to go help these folks. And sometimes when those things happen, it reminds you that, you know, the world is full of a lot of really good people with good hearts that'll, that'll jump in and just help anybody if they can, you know. But sometimes it's good to see those things. But all that said, don't text and drive. However, if you're not driving, here's the number, 885-ESPN. And James has done that. 885-ESPN or 885-3776. Where's the text? I don't see it. No, no, James is, is, is on hold for you. On the oh, he's on the yeah. Divini phone. Yeah. He's on the phone, which is 995-1059. What's up, James? What's going on, man? Not much. Not much. You tell me. Hey, man. Look, I just uh, I just have it in my in my blood to talk about this. Look, you know, not many people are talking about the UFC. Uh, yeah, we have one of the biggest fights coming up ever with Stipe Miocic. And Daniel Cormier, Stephen Miocic is a firefighter. Hey, which, and mean, James, what are we talking about? We're talking about some UFC fighting. Oh, fighting! Is it is it local or national or what is it? UFC is. I mean, I mean no, no, man. no, no. I'm asking you. You the names that you said. Are we talking? Are these local people? Or are they like? Now, now they're in, they're national people. Okay, but but uh, Daniel Cormier is actually from Louisiana. Okay, and right. he's fighting for the 
the heavyweight title, and and the UFC is not like boxing, it's not wrestling. It is, if you got into a bar fight with anybody, if you, if you saw somebody on the street, who's going to win that fight? This is the UFC, yeah. and Daniel Cormier is the heavyweight title holder, and he is from Louisiana. He is a wrestler from Louisiana. Now, Stipe Miocic, He's from uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and he is the uh, he's a firefighter. Yeah, you know. Hey, I think now I will say that I think that the fact that he's a firefighter is really cool. But as far as getting in a ring and getting in a ring and we just bare knuckle beat the crap out of each other, I just don't like it. I don't. I don't ever watch it. Number one, James, and I, I don't know anything about any of it. Number two, and I know a lot of people do. I know it's a big time sport. But, man, I'm just being honest with you. Two people just getting in there to see if they can just beat the bloody tar out of each other does not appeal to me in the least. It just has, like, I don't want to see it. I certainly don't want my daughter to see it on my television. I just don't mm-hmm. like it at all. Well, I mean, there's levels, you know. They're, they're, they're actually, they just came out with this thing called the bare knuckle boxing uh league and and these guys they got boxers in there with with their bare knuckles like punching each other you land one jab and you bust somebody open yeah now now the ufc is it it incorporates everything it's it's jujitsu it's wrestling it's boxing it's taekwondo it's all these things but i love to watch that stuff because I mean, you you want to see what's going to happen between this guy that, you know, this six five two hundred and thirty pound guy, and then you have this five ten a hundred and eighty pound guy. And yeah, bigger's not always better, actually, is it? In there, bigger's no, not always not, better. But it, it depend it depends on your fighting style because yeah, James, hang a second, let me jump in. Um, there's a teammate of mine. Uh, we played football together mm-hmm. at State in the late 90s named Wes Shivers, who's from the Jackson area, Brandon area. I know Wes. You know Wes? I know Wes. Wes is yeah. every bit of six foot eight, about 265 pounds. Probably played – well, he did. He played offensive line at 300 pounds. But, you know, and then since school, at, at he's – Yeah, at State. Uh, Wes, since we got through playing – and I want to say Wes played for the Falcons. Uh, I know he went to to camp with the Falcons. I'm not sure if he was there for a year or two or what. But um, and the last time I saw Wes face to face was a long time ago. It was in 2008, we had a 10 year reunion for our 1998 Western Division mm-hmm. title team. The reason I'm bringing him up is Wes transitioned after football, and I think maybe into he's in law school. Yeah, but into the UFC. And if you'll remember, several years ago, there was a reality television show where... The Ultimate Fighter. Yes, The Ultimate Fighter. And these guys would be like, it's a reality show, but they were trying to win through this, being trained to be UFC fighters. And what I remember about that show, Wes was on it. And he, he ultimately, what what ran him out of the competition ultimately was not strength or size or toughness or anything. It was stamina. He was so much bigger. Mm-hmm. And and when you're six foot eight, every bit of it, and you're weighing, even though he's cut up and ripped, you're two hundred and sixty yeah. something, two hundred and seventy something pounds at that size. You're you're um 
you know, cardiovascularly, your stamina runs out every time quicker than a small guy does. And the, that's the sm- my problem. The sm- that's your problem, mine too, Roger. The small guys would just outlast him, James. Mm-hmm. Now, now that's absolutely true, but that's why they have weight divisions. So, I mean, if you if you go up the go up the heavyweight, and you're fighting a guy that's at two sixty five, the way you're at two sixty five, and hey, it's you know who who actually worked out more? Yeah. Who, hey, who James. Hey, I appreciate the, the call, man, very very much. I really do appreciate the call. Uh, music started. We got to split. We got to make like a baby and get on out of here. <laughs> We gotta make like a what was it? We gotta make like, like a, bread. a tree and leave, or <laughs> we gotta make like a bread truck and haul buns. <laughs> we'll be right back in the Farm Bureau studio. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. Knock him out, John. Back on the show, we had a U. We had a uh, what do you call it? UFC. What's it called? I think you got it right. UFC. UFC. Isn't it Ultimate Fighting something. Ultimate Fighting. And that's different than mixed martial arts. I don't I mean, know. I think one of them is is kind of like a league, and the other is the name of the sport. Mortal Kombat. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's a video That's a game. video game from yesterday we were talking about. <laughs> now we're back be, on video games. Video games are not a sport. Just because I want to, and we mentioned video games, I'm going to play my Pac-Man remix. <laughs> I'm going to play Pac-Man remix, Roger, while I pour some coffee. There we go. Like I said, there's a reason 40 million people wanted into a video game tournament, because it's easy. <laughs> You're talking about remixes. You're about that new number one selling song of all time? No, what is it? Like Old Town Road? Oh, yeah. You know, it has had several lifetimes. This, this, I guess that's the song of the summer because it's uh-huh, right. been remixed and it got another life on country radio when Billy Ray Cyrus did a remix. Uh-huh. Then, they, then they started playing that one on the urban stations, even our hip-hop stations. Is that right? Now that yeah. is cool. Now that's yeah. cool. Music, bringing people together. I yeah. love it. They call him a country rapper. Okay. Oh, Lord. That's what they're calling Billy. All bets are off now. Wait a minute. (laughs) They're calling Billy Ray Cyrus a country rapper? No, I I, I wish I knew that. Oh, somebody else is a country rapper. The the original original song that he's remixed with. Look, I like it. I'm going to go. I've threatened to do. I need to. It's past, though. I mean, the shelf life's up now. Right behind me, the street right behind me is literally Old Town Road. There's a big sign, you know, the street sign, Old Town Road. Little Nas X. Adam boy. Hey, you know, uh, when you, buddy, this would be a take on or a copy of what a buddy of mine did up in Huntsville and radio. But, Roger, we got to do this thing where we, for a segment every now and then, we just have you read rap lyrics. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. You get the oldest, whitest <laughs> guy in the building. <laughs> And let him let him have at it, <laughs> and just read them. No. Yeah, 
Yeah, that, that might be funny. I guess I it say. might be. Um, that might surprise you. I might be like uh, Barbara Billingsley in an airplane movie. I might just get out there and lay it down. <laughs> lay it down. <laughs> That'd be great. It would be fantastic. Uh, no, I asked you if you'd seen King Kong, the movie. If King Kong is returning to the Empire State Building inside a new immersive museum. Look on my Twitter feed if you want to, if you're interested. At Radio Wyatt, there's a whole story there, and there's a picture. They are putting a museum for King Kong inside the Empire State Building, where when you go in there, there's this room, and it looks like you're in a room looking out the windows with King Kong reaching in there. His big gorilla fingers are sticking into the room and have busted it all to pieces, and he's right outside the window looking at you. Now, that's yeah. pretty cool because it's in the Empire State Building. It's in the building that was in the movie. And when I went over the last summer with the kids to the, uh, I guess around Gatlinburg and Dollywood area, there's a there's a building, you know, a wax museum, and they've got King Kong on the top of the building. And you can actually go up there and be in his hand. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. It is cool. All right. Better. Uh, I mean, this, but this has an extra cool factor here. Yeah. Bigglesworth on the text line, 885-ESPN or 885-3776, says, wasn't it Wes Shivers that got smoked by Deuce McAllister in a pregame egg bowl fight and tried to sue him? Listen, see, now that's how stuff takes off. Wes was not on the team. He was a recruit at the game, and somebody's helmet, Caught him upside the head. I don't know if it was an accident or what, but it did. It caught him upside the head, and um, I think it. I think he had to get stitches. Yeah, he wasn't even on one of the teams though. He was a recruit at the game. <laughs> that's. I think that's the the true story of it. Um, earlier, listen to this, Roger. I want you to think about a concept with me. Now, and and Roger again, we are of the same era. You and I, a few years apart. You're slightly older, but... You never, ever fail to point out. <laughs> but it's okay, because <laughs> it's very true. Well, what did it, what is it that Pat Dooley said about Steve Spurrier? As long as it's true, he didn't care. Right. Okay, right. all right. But, but on the Spurrier, I want you to think about something. Roger, is this the least entertaining that the SEC football head coaches have ever been collectively? I think that is a excellent, or excuse me, an excellent point. And it's an excellent point, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Let's if you were to look at every individual school, it is not hard to immediately go back to a previous coach or two coaches ahead and see a much more entertaining, intriguing individual <laughs> than what you currently have. At all these schools, I just, you know, this is, you know, just a thought experiment. But imagine how Mummy and the SEC mm. again. Uh, come <laughs> on with it. I mean, let's work something out with the NCAA, <laughs> and just please let us have him back, just so he can comment on things. And for Pete's sake, Tennessee fans, stay out of your people's way and let them hire Mike Leach. They were oh. trying. They were trying to hire him. But but I digress. Think about it like this, Roger. University of Florida, Steve Spurrier. Nobody's ever going to live up to the, how entertaining he was. But compare Steve Spurrier and currently Dan Mullen. It ain't even close. We're not even in the same universe. Now, 
LSU is an interesting conversation because Les Miles was constantly interesting because he spoke in a different language than everybody else. He get older on. But now LSU tradition. Exactly. Now we got Ed O and he's yeah, you did understand what he said though. Steve Spur. You might not know understand why. You talking about yeah, Les Miles. Okay. Yeah, Les Miles. Yeah, yeah. At Auburn. Think about if we could have Pat die or somebody like him back instead of what we have. Gus Malzahn is a great guy, and I like him. And I, You'd probably love to play for him, but he's just so boring. <laughs> Jackie Sherrill at Mississippi State. One of the most interesting characters ever as a head coach in the SEC. We constantly say let's, interesting let's get things. Bond on for a segment. I mean, are you serious? I've heard some of it already. There's some pretty good stories. Houston Nutt at Arkansas. He is infinitely more interesting than the guy they have now. Heck, in Arkansas, they still talk about Houston Nutt. They don't even really talk about the new guy. I mean, that's just some examples. For me, for me personally, that's a top five list of interesting coaches that you almost just wish were back in the league just so they'd be there. Houston Nutt, Jackie Sherrill, Pat Dye, Les Miles, and Steve Spurrier. And the thing is, they all coached against each other from the same era. So if we rewound 10 years, 15 years. Politically incorrect era. (laughs) Well, it was, yeah. You could get away with that. And I'm I'm trying to think of the schools that I left out. You know, at Tennessee, you had Johnny Majors, Philip Fulmer, when he was head coach. I mean, you know. For Pete's sake, Philip Fulmer avoided SEC media days one year because somebody was trying to hand him a subpoena. <laughs> and the only way they could do it is if he showed up in Birmingham. <laughs> so he didn't show up. You know what I mean? Who, hadn't, who hasn't done that? I mean, come on. Uh, right. Well, many <laughs> have the subpoena. There was a period of time we had James Franklin at Vanderbilt. Um, you know, Billy Brewer when he was at Ole Miss. He was super entertaining. I'm just saying that we, in our lifetime, Roger, for many years, we had just, before we ever even got close to playing a game, these guys would just show up somewhere and they were <laughs> entertaining. Hogjowl on the text line says, Lou Holtz at South Carolina. Listen, Lou Holtz coached at South Carolina in the late 90s, early 2000s, when Spurrier's at Florida. Les Miles at LSU. Pat Dye at Auburn. Well, I guess Pat. But you had Terry Bowden at Auburn. You had Tommy Tuberville at Auburn. Jackie Sherrill at Mississippi State. Houston Nutt at Arkansas. And we just have never had (laughs) a less entertaining group of coaches (laughs) collectively. And I know some of them, and they're great guys. And if they heard me say this, the thing is, they would laugh and agree. We've never had a a less interesting collective group of head coaches than we do right now. (laughs) It's not that they're bad coaches. I mean, it's just you couldn't make a sitcom with any of them. Man, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, it was a sitcom. Got that money in the game, it got serious on <laughs> Exactly. Now we now we're serious about it. Hour one in the books, hour two coming up. Stick around. Hey.
What are you doing? 